verse. We'll look at verse 5 and then verse 15. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. Look at verse 15. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Oh, I've got to read verse 16. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Move in power this morning. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to speak to you. Lord, we're not here for a lecture. We're here to receive the word of truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your, your word will remain forever. Your word is like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. Your word is like fire that burns up everything in its path, sharper than any two-edged sword. Send forth your word. We know it will not return void. Change us, God, through it. Everybody say that. Change me through it. Say it again. Change me through it. That when it's all done, Lord, that you'd get all the praise and the glory and the honor. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have been preaching in a series entitled Under Pressure. And not long ago, I preached a message about mistreatment. Has anybody ever been abused? No, I mean, you got mistreated. You felt like something happened to you that wasn't right. Okay, welcome to the human race, right? Amen. Great. That would affirm the fact that you're living and breathing. Because every one of us go through things that cause us to feel at times mistreated or go through personal conflict. I want to suggest to every person here that you read this book. I read it 15 years ago, and by a word from the Lord, I was called really by the Lord to read it again. And I didn't have a copy because I lent it to somebody, and they did that Christian borrowing thing. I hope they got a lot out of it. Meanwhile... I went and got my, my uh, copy on Amazon. I think it's out of print, but on Amazon you can find it. Isn't that right, Ava? Ava just picked up a copy too. Isn't that right, Ava? You picked up a copy? Yeah, and that was just by the Lord. We didn't talk about it. It's called The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. It's a modern classic. It's 100 pages long. It will blow you away. We read this out loud. I read it to on the way to Delta. I wasn't driving, obviously, when I was reading it. And the combination of that book and a series of things that circumstances that I found myself in as well as a series of circumstances that came across my office as pastor here, different things that people have been going through, I want to help you today preaching a message entitled Dealing with Mistreatment. The Seminary of Saul. Dealing with mistreatment uh, is uh, a, a challenging thing. It can be difficult. And one of the most important aspects of your dealing with being feeling like you've been misjudged or mistreated is that if you don't respond the right way, that you're going to have a problem. You've got to respond the right way. Everybody say, I've got to respond the right way. If you respond the right way, you go deeper in God. Now, I preached a section of this message before, so I'm kind of reviewing some of that. Some of you might remember Really, the foundational principle is found in 1 Corinthians 6, which is this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. But you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we've been purchased. Therefore, He's responsible for you. If you're His. If you're His, fully His, 100% His, He's responsible for you. And He's responsible for your relationships. Of course, you have some role in that. He's responsible for your money. He's responsible for you. You know, you've got to do your part. You've got to be Christ-like. But, I mean, after that, God is the author. God is the finisher. And we give our lives to Jesus. And sometimes I think we take that back. 
we vie for position, we vie for justice, we vie for trying to get things right, set the record straight. That's not really what happened to me. Well, I'm going to tell you what really happened to me because that wasn't what really happened to me. This is what really happened because we want to fix it. David is <laughs> David is the premier example of how to deal with mistreatment. He didn't take issues into his own hands. He left them in the hands of God. He wasn't the one that called him anyway. He was just a shepherd boy, remember? And in the verses that we read... Psalm 31, into your hands I commit my spirit. It, by committing your spirit, and basically what that means is, and this is a psalm of David. David wrote this. Jesus quoted it in Luke 23. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He's basically saying, God, everything that I am, all that I am, all that I am is yours. And I trust you with every facet of my life. I've not always done that. I don't know about you. I have not always done that. I have, on occasion, sort of taken it back to make sure that justice was done. Taken it back to make sure I set the record straight about what my reputation was. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus said it, quoting Psalm 31. refers to everything that deeply touches you. Your relationships, your reputation, your money, your physical well-being, your ministry position, the impact you're having or the lack of impact. Not long ago, in fact, it's really a key to the breakthrough for us becoming debt-free. The Lord dealt with my ministry ambition. And we're not going into that whole story I was supposed to go to Washington. I'll just tell you part of it. I was supposed to go to Washington, D.C., and I was going to armor bearer for Dr. Morocco and, and, uh, and John Heggie, who has a small TV ministry. And I was going to represent the state of Alaska at Christians United for Israel. I have a stack of prophetic words saying that I'm going to go to Washington and minister. I had people telling me, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, I'm going to go and lead Obama to the Lord, and he's going to get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying tongues and a whole nation will turn around. I mean, I'm kind of kidding, but I mean, there was this sense that, man, you're going to, going to Washington for God. Well, the bottom line is, I think there will be a time where we end up going to Washington, and I think the Lord is going to use us and our ministry here, the ministry of KC in the nation in a large way. I do believe that. I, I, I believe that. But the time for me to go to Washington was definitely not then. And I vied for it. I wanted to, come on, I wanted to have the suite next to John Heggie. It was all planned. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Come on, if you're, if you're trying to move your position forward and you're a pastor, that would be a pretty, that'd be a pretty smart thing to do if you're doing it. And the Lord basically shut me down and threw, shut me down. By the grace of God, I obeyed. And through my obedience, it released a series of miracles that would not have happened had I not obeyed. And I find ambition and different things starting to creep up on me at times. And I will tell you, ambition is the flesh. Ambition will rob you. David was not ambitious to take the throne. It wasn't his idea. And sometimes we so want to see something happen that we'll take matters into our own hands and then there's mistreatment that takes place in the midst of that or personal conflict and we just freak out because we're being not judged rightly. <laughs> the key is, the key, here's the key, understand that your life is not your own. Say it. My life is not my own. Yeah, because you've given your heart to Jesus, haven't you? Sometimes it's the night of the living dead. You pry yourself off the cross and try to take control of everything. Into, my, my, into your hands I commend my spirit. It, it involves a deep transaction with God. See, the, here's the thing. You give Him all of the mistreatment, all of your rights, everything that you want, all the things that you desire. And if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. But you have to understand that He's the one that brings about the desires of your heart. He plants them there. When you grab them and try to make them happen, it gets all messed up. Don't be a foolish Galatian. Right? 
having started in the Spirit, are you now going to revert to the flesh to fulfill your destiny? Commending your spirit to the Lord is a, it's a transaction of your own personal rights. Your ownership. You commit all ownership rights to Him. Now Jesus, as I said, quoted this in one of the most dramatic moments of His life. He's dying on a cross. And He commends to His heavenly Father... Luke 23, verse 46, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Peter made reference to it in 1 Peter. You should turn there, underline this in your Bible, 1 Peter 2, 23. When he was reviled, meaning when he was mistreated. Mistreating, being reviled. When he was reviled, talking of Jesus, he did not revile in return. Then he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. To believe God to judge means to believe that He will intervene in your mistreatment and make it right. But when you get involved, then it's your responsibility. And I'm a God news for you. God knows how to fix somebody's wagon far better than you. God knows how to correct your thing far better than you and I do. Because He's the author, isn't He? Furthermore, if He didn't author it, He's not, he's not promised to finish it. But if He is the author... You know, some of you are doing some stuff, nothing's coming of it. Well, you know, maybe it's not gone. Then again, maybe you've got opposition, demonic opposition. Maybe the timing's not right. Jesus was reviled and he, <laughs> he didn't do anything about it, says First Peter 2. Insulted, didn't do anything. Our natural response is to reply in the same demeaning spirit. Somebody slaps you, you crack them back. Somebody takes your stuff, you're going to do something about it. Now, there is a principle of, of righteousness and making things right, absolutely. You don't want to, you know, if somebody steals my car, I'm calling the cops. Yeah, and they are God's hand extended to bring about righteousness, right? There, there is justice, absolutely. Somebody said, well, I've got righteous indignation. Do you know something? Righteous indignation, I think, can only come from God. Because the second you and I have it, we mess it up with our flesh. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Turn to Romans 12. You've got to make room for God's vengeance by refusing to take your own. When you're being mistreated, when you're going through stuff, it's an opportunity for you to go deeper in God. But if you take it, the reins by yourself. You try to wrangle that Mustang. And you'll get your own results. But if you will back off, commend your spirit to God, say, God, you know everything, and allow Him, invite Him to come and be who He is, the righteous judge. Is God not the righteous judge? God is the righteous judge. And He knows how to fix things. He knows how to correct things. And when you make room for God's vengeance, and you make room for God's vengeance by not taking your own. Romans 12. I might preach in a second. This is serious stuff here. Don't avenge yourselves. Everybody say it. Don't avenge yourself. Don't avenge yourself. Verse 19. But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Do not overcome evil by evil. Verse 21. But overcome evil with good. The idea of vengeance includes receiving justice. Second, setting the record straight. The domain of vengeance, ladies and gentlemen, is not yours. Forget it. I'm going over here. The domain of vengeance is not yours. You are not, you are not responsible for bringing vengeance on somebody that mistreated you. Somebody took your stuff. Well, if it was your money, then you could get upset about it. But if you tithe, it's really God's money, and then He's responsible to get it back to you. Hello. When you begin to rise up and say, now this is the way it is, and you begin to demand your own way, then God takes his hands off and says, well, go ahead, do the best that you can. But when you back off, and I can tell you endless testimonies about this, about how when we backed off of a situation, God came in and fixed it. My mother making a, I don't know, it was a $100,000 jewelry sale in Wailea in Hawaii. She worked for a jeweler. 
Um, who's that guy with the big glasses from the 70s, British guy? John, Elton John, Elton John. Okay, Elton John comes in with his entourage, which was needing Jesus and deliverance. But anyway, they came in. And he picked a bunch of jewelry and all kinds of stuff. And he, you know, put it all together and put it on the side. I was going to come, by, come back and buy it. We came back the next day. But the manager of the store took my mother's sale. Anybody ever been in, in uh, sales? Huh? Took my, took my mother's sale and said no, and didn't split it with her, in other words. You know, there's, there's some agreement. And, uh, honey, do you have any chapstick? Can I borrow some, please? Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I hate preaching with dry lips. Does anybody just can't stand dry lips? I just hate it. Amen. Drives me nuts. Plus, that's a little inside joke. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thanks. Here you go, babe. <laughs> Beautiful catch. Beautiful catch. Come on, somebody. Woo! I mean, it was just like, pulled it in with his fingers. It was beautiful. You should have seen that. I hope we got that on video. Anyway, where are we at? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the manager came and ripped off this. Don't you love our church? I love our church. Praise God. The manager came and took the sale. She comes back in, and uh, she sees the fact that the pieces that were set aside are sold. So she asked, what happened uh, to the sale? Oh, uh, he came in and purchased it. Oh, that was mine. I put the things aside. No, 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 that was my sale. She says, excuse me? She says, that was my sale. We're talking, you know, big, you know, oh, yeah, a month's worth of pay. A nice commission. And my mother had just studied this. And she said, okay, God bless you. She said, God bless you. Over the course of the next week, a man came in to fix the air conditioning unit. Simultaneously, there was a lady looking at an extremely expensive diamond ring. And there, got, there was some confusion that happened, and they couldn't catch any of it on the cameras. The bottom line is that really expensive diamond ring disappeared, and homeboy had to buy it. And he ended up significantly in the hole because he ripped off of one of God's people. Now, and then the following weeks, weeks later, now it didn't happen right away, but weeks later, God blessed my mother, brought people in, took care of it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't mess with God's anointed. You take vengeance yourself, and I will tell you, you probably haven't done the math. What do you mean? I've been in situations where I was wronged. And it is a taskmaster. You will wind yourself up. Your brain will just begin to be like, man, how could they come on? Five-fold them when I see them. No, 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 no. And then you're just constantly working it over. How could they do that? Did they really think that? How could they wrong me? How, how could they act that way? They're believers for the love of God. I mean, don't they even love Jesus? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to come right around and I'm going to fix that wagon, boy. I'm going to fix that wagon. And then, then the Lord's trying to touch you in prayer, but all you have on your mind is, Fix the wagon. Fix the wagon. Make it right. Everybody needs to know. We need to bring this thing to correction. And you can't even, your heart closes down to God, and all you're thinking about is just, you're just all tweaked in your head. You're tweaking. I'm bringing vengeance. Every time you're mistreated, every, I want you to say this. Say, every time I'm mistreated, it's an opportunity for promotion. Every time you're mistreated, it's an opportunity for, don't waste one good trial. Every trial is an opportunity for you to be blessed. Yeah, it's not fun. Whoever said it was fun? It's not fun. But in the end, we'll make you more like Jesus. We'll make you more like Christ. You will go deeper in God and God will come through for you. And the truth is, the coming through for you might not happen in this lifetime. 
Now you need to know that. Because that, that, that preaching is, oh, it's just going to bless you. You're going to be blessed. You're just going to be blessed. Yeah. No, no, you, you might not get it coming around this. But this is not it. This is, a, this is an internship. Come on, you're in the seminary of Saul. I'm going to get there. Somebody say hallelujah. Yeah. You're in a 70, 80 year internship. You're, you're living 70, 80 years here in the earth. One day you're going to graduate. And you will live forever. In eternity with Jesus if you've hidden Him in your heart. And where you are in heaven is dependent upon how you did in your internship. Some of you aren't doing too good. Come on, set your heart. Don't waste one good trial. Don't waste it. It's an opportunity for you to walk in deeper blessing. Be more like Christ. And David understood this. Now, I would encourage you to read these two chapters in Scripture. There's Psalm 20, uh, pardon me, 1 Samuel 24. <clears throat> That's where David is in the wilderness of the En Gedi. And 1 Samuel 26, he's in the wilderness of Ziph. These two events, David is about 20-something. Saul is in his 60s. David suffered perhaps more than any other Old Testament Patriarch, and yet he's called a man after God's own heart, except for the instance with Bathsheba. These are two classic chapters of training in the seminary of Saul. And I've found myself in the midst of the seminary many times and repeatedly throughout my walk with Christ. And I didn't always understand that God was trying to teach me something, I didn't always understand that He was trying to change my own heart. I didn't always understand what he was doing. David's primary dream for his life, I believe, was really to have a heart after God. That's how he got selected. His, if you think his anointing came prior to uh, the prophet anointing him with the horn of oil, you're sadly mistaken. The anointing of the power of God came upon him out of his intimacy in the, in the sheep with the sheep in the field with his little harp singing his heart out to God. That's where the anointing came. Not because of anything else. He had an an intimate walk with with the Lord. He was the least. He was the youngest, it says. If you study the life of David, perhaps we'll do a whole series on the life of David. I've been pulled in. He was the youngest, which means he was the runt. He was the little guy. He wasn't wasn't the, the tallest, most handsome, like Eliab. He, He was considered the least in the family. He it's amazing how God uses the least one. Takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so David, he's anointed. And his primary dream was that he would be close to the Lord. And this, I think maybe his secondary dream was to be king. And if you want to be like David, or if you're called, if you look at B in your notes, you're called like David, then you will absolutely listen to me now you will absolutely go through the seminary of Saul because there is no way, ladies and gentlemen, to make a heart like David, a heart after God. The only way is to go through mistreatment and difficulty. See, I don't like that. I don't like it either, but i got news for you. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy Hanukkah. That is absolutely the way it is. Men of God and women of God are made in the fire, and there ain't any other way to make them. There is no other way. You think, I just want it easy. I know I want it easy too, but that's just your flesh. You know, what about all this difficulty? Rise up, oh man of God, woman of God. My brother and sister, rise up, pray in the Spirit, do the right thing, turn the other cheek, let God deal with it. Let God fix the wagon. Don't worry about the mistreatment. Worry about your own heart, where your own heart rises like that and wants to do the same thing that they did to you, but a different way. God's called us to be like David. God's called us to be like Jesus. King Saul was jealous, out of his mind, insane with jealousy over young David, the the up-and-coming anointed guy. 
And I've seen this play out in churches where there's a, a pastor who's older and the up-and-coming anointed guy gets squashed, gets crushed, gets put down because he just can't handle it. I will tell you that the church in America has largely died off because they're not willing to raise up the young Alex Betzels. They're not willing to raise up the young Micahs. They're not willing to... God, I'm going to tell you, God, help me. I just want to step aside and let you all just take over. There's such an anointing on this young group that God's raising up. There's such an anointing on, the, on this younger generation. A generation of Gideons, a generation. We're the older dudes now, but we're needed. Amen. I'm, I'm, my beard's growing in, and it's like gray and stuff. I've got gray hair. My hair's going like... The last time I grew it, it was just brown, chestnut brown. It's just gray now. I'm getting older. I'm a father in this thing. Praise God for wisdom. I hope we're getting some. No matter what age you are in, no matter where you are, you all, everyone, this God is going to have an outpouring on this generation. If you're alive, then you're part of this generation. One of the problems is that there are Sauls that get raised up, and they're in places where now God brings a David to bring the kingdom to the next level. But but because they've compromised, because they've strived, because they've gotten in the flesh to try to promote their own thing, then they, they, they lose out. We must decrease. They must increase. Amen. They meaning the next generation, but Jesus also. Saul was the king of Israel, insanely jealous of David. Had his love-hate thing with him. I mean, it's... it's a, it was really like a... It was a demon spirit. And the mistreatment of David. You got to understand who Saul was. Saul was his father-in-law... Saul was the king, I should say he the king, his father-in-law, his boss, his employer, the one who he esteemed he was God's anointed. Understand that. It's not just some guy who passed through and took your commission. This is a family member. This is somebody near and dear and close to the heart of David. And he's, he's trying to pin him to the wall with javelins. David and Saul in the wilderness of En Gedi. David finds Saul sleeping. Now, I'm going to read some of this to you, and you're going to glean some truth from it. 1 Samuel 24 and verse 1, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Verse 2, Then Saul took 3,000 men from all of Israel, went to seek David. Why? He wanted to kill him. He, Saul, verse 3 now, comes to this cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. He had to go to the bathroom. Okay, that's, that's what the text says. The text said he goes to attend to his needs. He goes into the cave. He's hunting. You know what I mean? Anybody ever been hunting? All right. There's no, there's no outhouses there. The whole wilderness is an outhouse. Okay. So he goes into a cave to attend to his needs. Little did he know that was the cave where David and his men were. He goes in, he's attending to his needs, and David had the premier opportunity to skewer the dude. David stopped his men from harming Saul. Listen, you need to walk this principle out in your life, even when it doesn't involve leadership. You need to walk the principle out in life that God knows God can take care of it. God can fix it. God can promote you. God can help you. God can get your money back. God can release you. God can give you greater ministry impact. You're constantly trying to strive, constantly trying to get the thing. David would have killed him. He said, no, you'll not, you'll not touch God's anointed. It's not to say that there's not correction and stuff. There is. But you need to be sensitive to this truth and... 1 Samuel 24, verse 4, David said to his men, this is, the men of David said, this is what his men said, quote, this is the day which the Lord said, behold, I'll deliver the enemy into your hand. I mean, there's a ton of scriptures for that. David arose secretly and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. What? I mean, he's like the first ninja guy. How stealth can you be? He, he creeps up and cuts the hem of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that we should do so. This thing, the Lord's anointed, stretch out your hand against him. Verse 7, David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel 24, 
David also rose afterward, went out of the cave, and called to Saul, saying, This day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand, into the hand in the cave. I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, against his anointed. It's interesting to me that David actually was grieved that he cut the robe. He was grieved he did anything. Has anybody felt like that? You know, you, you, the Lord told you not to touch him, not to say anything. Just let, just, I will fix it. I'll take care of it. But you just said, uh. All right, Lord, you can move, but you uh. just a little poke. I've done that more times than I can count. And David temporarily convinces Saul not to harm him and David commits his cause to God's hands in verse 12 through 15. Again, this is now just a couple months later in 1 Samuel 26. This is the wilderness of Ziph. Saul again continues with 3,000 men. David has an opportunity to kill him. Saul's sleeping. He takes a spear and stuck it in the ground by his head. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy to this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him. Let me kill him. He's wicked. He's demonized. He's hurting the nation. Was he wicked? Yes. Was he demonized? Yes. Was he hurting the nation? Yes. But he was still God's anointed. So well, how do you fix that? You don't fix it. God fixes it. Now you gotta, you've got to take the heart of this message. I'm not saying work under some evil guy who's a Saul and submit to all of his lying and stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the course of your life, you will be mistreated. And you will have personal conflicts where you think, really, before the Lord, it should have been different, but it wasn't. You humble yourself, you pray, and you let God work it out. You let God vindicate you. And I will tell you, it can be years. There's certain things that happen to us in ministry that hurt us really bad. And honestly, it was kind of multifaceted. So I tried to make things right. In other words, I spoke and sort of lifted my voice a little bit to make some correction here and there. But I had plenty of opportunities to shut up. It was like the test that never ended. And so finally we learned, zip your lip. Keep your heart right. And do you know, it took years, but God has vindicated us. I mean, I, would, I wanted them to do it that week with a banner, drive it around town with a big speaker on top of the hood. This is really what happened. Want to tell you exactly what happened. Daniel Bracken and is innocent. It really went down like this. That's what I wanted. And God can do that. And he has done that for people in the past. But really what God was after in that, in that cave with David, he was after how his heart would respond. How would your heart respond if you're put in a place like Jesus? How is your heart responding? Oh my, we wiggle out of getting crucified when all along God's trying to bring you a resurrection that will never happen if you lift your voice. God's trying to vindicate you. God's trying to come through. And you might just have to die, honey. Brother, sister, Jethro, you might just have to die before you have a resurrection. But so much of us is just like, I don't want to die. Ah! Half of us is like, hallelujah. The other place is like, ah, it's just torment. David refused to kill Saul both times. Abishai is like, what? Have you bumped your head? Why not fight David? Why not kill him? Why not? Kill him for the love of God. I love how Abner was submitted. Uh, Abner and as well as Abishai. Submitted to David. He didn't like it, but he submitted. In fact, David rebuked Abner. the captain of Saul's army, for not protecting Saul. He says, you know, Saul, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. Hey, Abner, you're a slacker, dude. What were you sleeping on the job? 
I rebuke you. You mean, imagine Abner's like, sorry, I'm really sorry. You know, I, it was that long hike the night before, and you know, we had all that, all that mutton, all that lamb. I'm sorry. Hey, forgive me. What? 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 We all make mistakes. He gets rebuked by David. David commits his cause to David to 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 uh, the Lord again into God's hands. I want to read this little section right here. Micah, would you come and pray in tongues repeatedly and break dance for us on the front? little section from Micah alright it's out there dripping it, drinking a triple mocha or something did you save me some? alright I'm just teasing God knows I don't want to be a Saul Jesus help me So Abishai, this is a section, this is an imaginary conversation that happens between Abishai and David. Gosh, this is so good. Okay, listen now. If you haven't listened to anything, listen. Online, listen. All right, you should have been here in church. You knew you could make it. The snow's not that deep. Listen anyway. All right. Abishai says, but why, David? Why not fight? David replies, I will give you the answer. And you will recall, for you were there, that once, long ago, I gave the same answer to Joab in a cave. Is it better that I be defeated even killed, led to learn the ways of Saul or the ways of an Absalom. You see, David goes through the very similar thing with his own son. Down just a little bit in volume, please. To learn the ways of Saul or of an Absalom. The kingdom is not that valuable. Let him have it. If that be the Lord's will, I repeat, I shall not learn the ways of either Saul or Absalom. And now being an old man, I will add a word that I might not have known then. Abishai, no man knows in his own, knows his own heart. I certainly don't know mine. Only God does. Shall I defend my little realm in the name of God? Shall I throw spears and plot and divide and kill men's spirits, if not their bodies, to protect an empire? I did not lift a finger to be made king, nor shall I do so to preserve a kingdom, even the kingdom of God. God put me here. It's not my responsibility to take or to keep authority. Do you not realize... It may be His, meaning God's will, for these things to take place. If He chooses, God can protect and keep the kingdom even now. After all, it is His kingdom. As I said, no man knows his own heart. I don't know mine. Who knows what's really in my heart? Perhaps in God's eyes, I'm no longer worthy to rule. Perhaps He's through with me. Perhaps it will be his will for Absalom to rule. I honestly do not know. And if this is his will, I want it. God may be finished with me. Any young rebel who raises his hand against a Saul or any old king who raises his hands against an Absalom or a David, in truth, may be raising his hand against the will of God. In either case, says David, I shall raise no hand.
wouldn't I look a little strange trying to stay in control if God desires that I should fall? Your life. Your life. My life. It's not ours. It's His. And when you go through mistreatment, it could have been the very thing that saved you from death. When you go through things and you know not how it works out, that you should have been the one voted in. You should have got the job. You should have been treated this way. You, this thing should have happened for, the, for, for righteousness sake. And you don't understand that all the while, God spared you from certain death. Could it be God's will that that thing happens to you so that you have a heart like David, so that you have a heart like Jesus? Could that be? As I read this book, I, mean, I read this book, and I, I would tell you, read the book. It's a short read, powerful read. As I read the book, I mean, I'd find myself reading it just going, Ooh, hallelujah, I'm a David. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm a Saul. Oh, God. Oh, God. And I'd keep reading Oh my God, I'm Absalom too. Jesus, help me. Help me, God. Help me. Saul is within every single person's heart here. You don't know your own heart. And the stuff that you're going through, you think you got it right and you can be dead wrong. And you may be dead wrong. I have news for you. In the midst of your mistreatment and your personal conflict, yield to God. Go low. Humble yourself and you shall be exalted. Exalt yourself, you shall be humbled. And who knows, in your exaltation, you might be fighting against God Himself, who's trying to bring about a correction, how to straighten things out. We want to be like David. We want to be like Jesus. Can you say amen this morning? That's what we want to be like. So in the, your mistreatment, don't miss the opportunity for promotion in the midst of it. Stand upon your feet, won't you? Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you're not right with God, worship team, with the whole worship team come up, please. You're here, you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. If you're giving your heart to Him for the first time, do it with all your heart. Perhaps you're not living for Him all the way and you want to recommit your heart to the Lord. If that's you, you want to recommit your life to the Lord, I want you to lift your hand as well on the count of three. I want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to recommit your life to the Lord. Slip your hand up. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Where are you? You're serious about getting right with God. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about getting right with God. If you're serious, come to the front right now. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. You can still come. There's room. Come right now. Come. You want to get right with God? Come. Let's all pray this just right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, come, touch, fill right now. Come on, all across this place. As a sign of surrender, lift your heart. Lift your hands to God. Let him fill you. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Lord God, fill your people. Jesus. One more thing. As these are just being ministered to by those that are here and being prayed over. If you're going through something and you've been feeling mistreated and you just need a grace to be like David, I want you to respond 
by coming to the front. We're going to pray all together. Come on, put, put, put some action to your feet. You're going through some things. You're realizing, man, I've been mistreated. i got some conflict. I, I'm just not going to raise my hand. I'm not going to be a Saul. I'm not going to be an Absalom. I'm going to be Jesus. Though when he was reviled, he did not lift his hand. Come on, you're going through stuff. Just come right now. Oh, here I am. Arms come on, worship with us and just let the Lord touch you, strengthen you right now. He knows. God knows everything. Vengeance. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. And you are mine. Come on. Stand arms open wide. Jesus. Oh, I am yours and you are mine. Come on, lift your voice and declare it. It's key. above every other name. We're before you. And I pray, oh God, for the injustice that's taken place for different ones that you would bring the correction. We trust your leadership. We trust you to do it in your time. We trust you in your time and in your way that you would make things right. Certainly on that great day, on that great day before your throne, all things will be rectified. We thank you. Come on, just thank him that he knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows. He knows what you've been through. Don't let bitterness get in your soul. Don't let bitterness run you over, run you through. Yield. Come on, he's the author. Don't let bitterness rob you. Hallelujah. By the way, several years later, Saul died. The promise to David came about, but not by his own hand. And you can build your kingdom, but it will not stand. That would be wood, hay, and stubble. If you build his, it's precious stones, and it will not burn. 
You need to remain. You need to abide in Him. John 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he'll bear much fruit. Fruit that would remain. I don't want to build something that gets smoked on the day. I'm afraid I have at times. But I vow to not do that anymore. Jesus' brothers wanted them to go to Jerusalem. Everybody thinks they got the plan of how it's all supposed to work. Oh, you need to go to Jerusalem is where it happens. You need to go to Jerusalem. That's where you'll be elevated again. It wasn't time for him to go to Jerusalem. Some of you think it's time for this and that to happen. Who are you? You're the clay. I mean, just trust God. Hello? I should have got the... Look, you should have got it. You would have got it. Or you got mistreated and then God will correct it. Amen? Did you get something today? You understand that, look, it's His show. If indeed it is, just yield to Him. Amen? Put your hands together for what God is doing, won't you? Would you be seated for just a moment? Just about noon. I think what we'll do is we will take communion tonight. All right? I will take communion tonight. And uh, I'm going to do a totally different thing. Ushers, I'm ready to put you to work. Where are you at? Stand up on your feet. Pick up the entire communion table, the entire thing, and bring it right here, please. Don't spill the juice or dump the crackers. Hallelujah. And what we're going to do is, I'm just going to have this right here. And uh, if at the end of service, if you'll just continue to keep an atmosphere of, of worship, and you all will just be reverent, won't you? Want to receive communion? Right, right, right over here. There we go. Right there. Right there. All right. What we're going to do is, we're going to allow you just to serve yourself, serve your family. Okay? Is that all right? You know how to take communion? Just thank God that He died on a cross and rose again from the grave. and. If you, if you want to receive communion as, with your family, you can do that. If you can wait till tonight, then wait till tonight. We won't have a log jam. How many of you can wait till tonight? All right. Great. All eight of you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Ushers, come on back. What we'll do is... We'll do this tonight, but right now, ushers, just come stand right here. Uh, yeah, I'm, we're doing the whole deal. From the back row, please, if you want to receive communion, it's an open it's an open communion. Ushers, would you just come and stand right here, please, right at the front. From the back row, if you want to receive communion, come to the front. There's just too many people that aren't coming tonight or they didn't raise their hand. Either way, we'll just go a little longer and take communion all together. Would you come from the back row and just filter right up the front aisles and then just peel off to the... To the sides there. This is a grape juice and a cracker. And in a moment we'll take communion all together. Communion is a powerful time. Healing. Strengthening. You just come if you want to receive communion. Here I stand. Arms open wide.
If you've not been served, you can come now, please. how to bring maximum glory frequently there's a death he's the God of the resurrection he is trust him trust his leadership there'll be people that'll continue to mistreat you you know you might want to put a boundary with them but God knows how to rectify God knows how to bring vengeance God knows how to bring maximum glory. He's the one that is in charge of everything. And he's a merciful God. Mercy, by the way, triumphs over judgment. Don't ever forget it. And the truth be told, thank God in heaven that you and I did not get justice. Because we didn't. We all deserve death. Amen. Don't be a Saul or an Absalom. Let's be like David. Let's be like Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the, the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood, the new covenant. In the same way or in likewise manner, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we stand before you, reminded that you paid a debt that you did not owe. And you you brought justice in the death of your own son and not us. Justice was served, and justice will be served. But thank you that we didn't have to pay justice with our own death. For while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And we declare your blood, your resurrection, your broken body, for the healing of our bodies and for the redeeming of our souls from hell, the washing away of our sin. And we declare that you're coming back. Maranatha, you're coming back, God, for a spotless church, not a church that brings its own vengeance or a people that raise their hand. You're coming back for a spotless church that walks in meekness, humility, trusting you, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of mistreatment. So turn it all for good and bring strength to us, to your people. If you need to repent for where you have had wrong thoughts or attitudes, just do it right now. Lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Ask God to forgive you. Start afresh today. Start brand new right now. God, and we thank you that if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we receive what you've done. And we trust your leadership. We thank you that you're coming back. We love you and bless you. In your mighty name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. The curse of sin is broken.
Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Wonderful, mighty God. Take someone by the hand. Take someone by the hand. So let's close in a word of prayer. Tonight, we'll have communion set out up front for those that didn't weren't able to make it or received this morning. Take someone by the hand. Won't you? We'll close in a word. But prayer, God, we thank you and praise you for what you've done, what you're doing, what you have yet to do. We trust you. We trust your leadership. I ask that you would bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance towards them, be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We'll hope to see you tonight with Larry Sturm preaching. Great worship leader. You don't want to miss tonight. It's going to be tremendous. Six o'clock. We'll see you then. God bless you.